Welcome to the Makom Israel Teachers Lounge podcast, where we connect students and listeners with Israel by discussing and exploring current events and relevant issues. I am your host, Michael Unterberg, here as always with co-host Alan Goldman. How are you, Alan? Doing good, Mike. Excellent. Well, we have a special guest, to, and our topic is going to be about environmentalism and innovation and, and uh, here in Israel. Alan, would you please introduce our guest? And solar energy. We're here with uh, Yossi Abramowitz, who's an Isra- American-Israeli activist, an educator, an impact investor. He's recognized as one of the pioneers of the solar industries in Israel, East Africa, West Africa, and elsewhere. Named by CNN as one of the six top global green pioneers, and by PV Tech as one of the most inspiring solar CEOs worldwide. Abramowitz leads Energia Global Capital, an impact investment platform. He lives here in Jerusalem, not far from Ben's studio, with his wife, Rabbi Susan Silverman, and their five children, and can be, and can be followed at Captain Sunshine. With a K. With a K. Captain Sunshine with a K. Good, good. How do you spell sunshine with a K? <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks for coming. Oh, thank you. So, w- first of all, what was that second one? PV something? I didn't know what that was. PV Tech. Yeah, PV that's tech. what we're here for, to talk about what is PV Tech. But tell us about what you do. Tell us about why CNN thinks, you know, calls you such an important innovator. Um, well, I mean, I think I get a lot of credit for the teams that I'm part of and that I, I get to build. So one of the teams that I built was um, created the solar industry in the state of Israel. Um, we had a vision when we made Aliyah in 2006. We'd moved to Kibbutz Keturah in the Arava, really hot oh, wow. and sunny down there. Yeah. One of my favorite places. Indeed. And well, we, some of my Zionist uh, heroes were there. Oh, mine too. Yeah. Mine too. So it's a very inspiring place. Leia, Leia is my Zionist. Oh, <laughs> and Jeff. They're great. And um, uh, so it's inspiring and it's really hot and sunny down there. Um, so when we moved there from Boston, it was in August. And it was really hot and sunny, and <laughs> I thought the whole place worked in solar power. And when it... But it's okay, because it was a dry heat, so it didn't really bother you, right? <laughs> Actually, it's true, because they have an amazing pool, and uh-huh. they have a guest house, too, yeah. so I love it. My, my wife's from New Hampshire, it's, it's a little bit too, too much for her. Uh-huh. Um, but basically, I was hit with the vision that, um, shouldn't Israel be a world leader in this? And maybe... Maybe by 2020, like a futuristic goal, we can get 100% of the Arava to be powered by the sun during the day. Wow. And that will be a model for Israel and then for Africa and the world. Da-dum, da-dum. And, um, uh, and everyone said it was going to be impossible. The economics aren't there. Maybe you can go to 10, 20% uh, solar power during the day. The economics aren't there because the technology isn't there. So producing. No one had ever done, no one had sort of been audacious in that kind of way before. Mm -hmm. And it was more expensive than coal at the time. Now, our water heaters for years have been, but that's a very small scale of what, that's nowhere, that's like. We're used to seeing the water heaters on top of the things yeah. heating up our water, but that's not what so you're Israel's talking about. Israel's number one with the uh, passive solar thermal water heaters. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about power electrons. I'm talking about power. You're plants. talking about power plants. Yeah, lighting up cities. Yeah, you're talking exactly. orders of magnitude more. Yes, power. Yes. Um, so um, we did the first solar field in the Middle East back in 2011, fulfilling Ben Gurion's kind of. Down payment on Ben Gurion's dream. What does we did that we built it mean? 
So I had to win a hundred political, regulatory, and statutory battles to create a market to de-risk so that for-profit money can go in to do what was needed to be done. Um, it was with a company called Arava Power, which I'm a co-founder of, and there was a whole amazing team uh, behind that. Uh, David Rosenblatt in the States, Ed Hoffman, chairman still at Kibbutz Keturah, and, and a professional team. So we created the market. We broke through. We opened it up for everybody else. And uh, I have good news and bad news. <laughs> what do you want first? Always start with the bad and then end with the good. Well, the bad news is that Israel's only American. at 5% solar. How's that for a yeah. startup nation yeah. wonder? Okay. Uh, bottom of the OECD. Yeah. Um, the good news is that by the middle of next year, from the Red Sea to the Dead Sea, including Elad and the hotels and all the air conditioning, we're going to hit it 100% solar day. What? Really? Yeah. Really? What? In the absolutely. next year? Right. Yep. How, okay. How wow. are we jumping? Well, jumping, I started this From 5% quite... to 100%. No, no, wait, wait, no, wait, no, wait, no, wait, no. wait, wait. Let's be clear yeah. what we're talking about okay. here. The Arava. Ah, from the, Arava. the Red Sea to the Dead Sea. In other words, that's So valley. just in that southern. Just in that southern. What is it now? So we're today we're at seventy five percent. Okay, and by next year we'll be at a hundred percent daytime solar for the region, which means we've we've de-risked this model. It's possible. You see people marching all over the world, calling for changes, and and you know, and then you have all sort of the entrenched interest saying it's not possible, it's too expensive, it's whatever, and uh, we've nailed it. We have nailed it. And so, um, and by nailing it, you mean you've created that confluence where it's economically viable to apply the technology in this way. Yeah, so and that have for profit people can make money off this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because that's um, how it works in a capitalist society. Yeah. Well, also, there's just not enough charity to to right. build these enough of these to really make a big difference in the okay, world. Okay, so I don't want to get personal, so. but how much does it cost to build this power infrastructure? Is for that too you, for you or for me? <laughs> for 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 the Arava for southern Israel. So it depends when you build, but right now, I'll get I'll, okay. Um, for you audience at home, I have one hand high up in the air. The cost of solar used to be all the way up here, eight dollars a watt. Today, it's this with the second hand all the way down here. It's under a dollar a watt. In other words, wow. we've had an energy revolution to the point where we are cheaper than coal and cheaper than natural gas in the state of Israel. Wow. And so we're taking that model. We're challenging the rest of the country right. to go 100% solar by 2030. Hmm. And we're taking that model now throughout the world. Mostly, I, I work in Sub-Saharan Africa. Um, it's also a for-profit model. The, the Arava company or no? No, a it's company? a sister company. Uh, in, in Israeli? Global. Yeah. Um, you know, related to Israel. Hmm. Um, and we're working in 10 different African countries to do... There, what we've done in the Arava. How did the wow. cost go down? Is it just the producing the equipment is less expensive? Like yeah, what? I mean, economies of scale, uh, Moore's Law, uh, essentially. It, very little of it had to do with technological innovation. Hmm. Just greater demand, more manufacturing capability. Um, scale. Yeah, scale scale does it. And so... Uh, so more people use it, the much, much cheaper it will get. Indeed. So we're past that point, uh -huh. the holy grail, the grid parity. The critical mass. The, the critical right. mass. And now, the if it was a fair and open market, 
it, it would all be renewables, but the market is corrupted and skewed and <laughs> fossil fuel interests. And, You're saying around the world or in Israel also? Uh, yes. It's the forces Both. of light versus the forces of darkness. And the forces of darkness so far have more political power and they've managed to keep bilking all of us in Israel and around the world to pay more for something that's destroying our planet right. rather than making the switch. So can't we just dump a ring in a volcano? I thought that's how you get rid of the forces of darkness. <laughs> that's not the same. Well, there is geothermal energy, which is also pretty good, which yeah. mean heat from the earth. Now, can I ask you a stupid layman question? There are no stupid questions. Sure there are. I'm a teacher. Oh, only, <laughs> stupid, only stupid people. That's yeah. right. I'm both. You can see that. I can't see that. <laughs> uh, doesn't doesn't it depend on where you are in Israel? Like in other words, the Arava seems perfectly suited. It's very low rainfall. It's pretty relatively for Israel, relatively plain, you know, flat land. So you can build these solar fields, which I'm guessing are these giant solar panels. So whereas in let's say the Galil, mm -hmm. wouldn't it be more complicated to run off solar power? The number one producer of solar power in the world, drumroll, is Germany. Oh my. Now, Germany oh, wow. has about a thousand kilowatt hours per square meter. In other words, that's how much sun they get, right? In the Arava, we get 2,247 kilowatt hours per square meter, more than double. The if Middle go, East is sunnier than Central Europe. Is that? <laughs> yes, but okay. if you go up to Metula, yeah. probably at 1,600, it's just a question of leadership. So it's more still than Germany. And Germany's not flat. I mean, it's... No. Yeah. And so... Uh, terrain shouldn't matter. Terrain matters somewhat. I mean, we built in Rwanda, the first solar field ever in sub-Saharan Africa. I don't, know the, I don't know the topography of Rwanda. And Rwanda, it is called the land of a thousand hills. Uh-huh. And on one of those hills, there's a beautiful solar field that we built. So it's it's more a little bit more difficult, but it's very doable. It is completely doable. All has to do with agenda is what you're saying. It's completely about greed of the of the bad guys and the old entrenched interests. Wow, that's upsetting. <laughs> yeah, but there is something we can do about it. Which is? <laughs> well, the sun will come out tomorrow. And Captain so, Sunshine. <laughs> with a K. Yeah, with a K. Well, look, all of us have to make some choices. Um, uh, basically, gas companies, oil companies, coal companies have gotten away with this because we've just let them. Um, and what it, it's great to see the young people out all over the world. I was in New York when Greta was uh, at the UN General Assembly at the Climate Conference. Mm -hmm. um, and um, we, we have to make choices. It, who we vote for mm -hmm. really, really, really matters. Mm -hmm. And it's not a right-left thing. I just want to say the current government in the state of Israel is the one that handed over a 95% monopoly to the gas companies. That's just the bottom line. Just mm -hmm. the bottom line, and that means everyone's a fryer. You're all, we're, we're, we're all, we're all play, paying too much because, you know— Power corrupts and absolute power corrupts oh, I don't absolutely. Know. I'm, sure, I'm sure nobody's getting kickbacks. Uh, <laughs> you know. um, but it, but it's also, you know, at this point, uh, was today, 2019, I'd say by, we'll give people a, uh, another year or two lead, you know, until the next Shemitah year, next sabbatical year. But anybody who buys a combustion engine car going forward has to understand it's a desecration of God's name. It's a chilu Hashem. It, it truly is. These are moral choices that we're making we're making immoral choices, or we're not even thinking that what we do, you know, about the 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 impact of it. But you'll save money, and it'll be cleaner, and it helps save the world. You'll be part of the solution. Right now, we're all part of the problem. 
I fly around the world trying to save it from climate change, which uh, is is uh, is a mismatch because right. my carbon footprint right. probably put all three of yours together, and right. uh, um, I, and so we do offsets as a family. Um, that every two bishvat we calculate essentially the travel, um, and we plant we we sponsor a certain number of trees or. Carbon calculators. Wouldn't it be great if LL flights were all zero carbon because JNF was planting trees or mm-hmm. the Society for Protection of Nature in Israel. There are things that we can do and we need to do them. Yeah, if- yeah go ahead. Do you, do you think that Israel is already playing a leadership role in this in this green movement or is not playing enough of a role or is keeping on par with other countries? As a country... From a governmental perspective, we suck. Uh-huh. We well, totally that's, that's suck. That's depressing. Why? Um, again, because we just let the interests. Um, I'm saying, like, what? Uh, how do we get like? You would think in startup nation, people would see because right. because this is a profitable yeah. endeavor, right? So you would think for the public sector would be jumping all over. Yeah. Look, I mean, there are plenty of industries of goodness like ours that are making up, I think, for Israel's bad name and bad behavior, but not nearly enough. Uh-huh. Let's just talk greenhouse gas emissions. Two-thirds is power plants. One-third is vehicles, right? You're saying that's globally or no, that's Israel? No, the state of Israel. Okay. That's, that's basically the thing, right? So we hand... Two, really? We, two-thirds? Two-thirds is the power plants. And one-third is cars. And, and cars, and trucks, right? Vehicles. And so the government killed the better place electric car uh, startup is also mismanaged, but yeah, it's a yeah. separate question, right? And handed a 95% energy monopoly to fossil fuel burners. We suck. <laughs> I'm like, I'm telling yeah, you yeah, the yeah, truth. I say bad. that as yeah. someone who loves Israel and who no, no, you is about tell the truth. Yeah. to make life really difficult for the next government when we have one, because we are going for a law. We are going for a government decision. We're going for the revolution. Uh, for a decision relatively shortly, uh, no matter who's in power, for Israel to go 100% solar by 2030. Um, and it'll cost, it'll save billions and billions of shekels and dollars to all of us, the Israeli consumer. Um, now, is this like a level of like a Kennedy announcing a moonshot, or is this, this is something actually well, relatively I am feasible? I'm from Massachusetts, but Lahavdil, I yeah. ain't no Kennedy. No, what's going to be, um, I mean, it's brewing, and I'm working uh, with a nonprofit called the Heschel Center. Um, and uh, the, me- the reason I was late for this podcast, because I was at the regulator. We weren't going to say anything. Trying but, to, yeah. you know, help them map it out. But the real reason, and I'm sorry to say this, and like, um, is the greed of the gas companies, which is so great, that they moved the gas rig from where it was approved, 200 kilometers offshore, right? Bugi Ayalon was the defense minister, and they moved it to 9.7 kilometers of Zichron. And that means it's within range of all those Hezbollah missiles. Right. We're toast. We gave into the economic greed, and as soon as that thing is hit, they're going to pass that Israel's going 100% solar. So, so can I just, for instance, like me as a person, how, what, what would, how would that affect my life? As of, other than you're saying my pocketbook, like um, if we go solar by 2030, like all those all, all those uh, manufacturers that are you know pumping, like they're going to use solar power. 
so, or cars? Like, how's that going to affect so right all now, that, like the day to day life of a? So Israeli? it's worth your while to put solar on the studio. The school next door has it. You're welcome. Um, I didn't do it. I helped them mm-hmm. uh, kind of prepare the bid. But um, yeah, I, I was just with a, one of my investors, Impact Investors, where he has 21 kilowatts on his roof, and he uses it not only to power his house, he has three Tesla Powerwall batteries, and he charges his Tesla car with it. He, the, the guy is 100%, you know, Carbon neutral in 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 everything that he's doing, right? But that's a that's a big investment to set up your house. I mean, now it may pay off in the long run, it's but in the short big, term, it's not a big investment. Remember the price because, drop, and here in Israel, the banks yeah. will lend you at least ninety percent to solarize your house and and use a contract with the electric company as your collateral, so you can pay it out over time. It's yeah, like it's easy peasy to do. It only took us ten years to get the regulations to make it easier for people to do. Um, but we all need to do it. One of the regulations I've just asked them today to update is for us to have storage because there's a cyber attack on our grid or a missile hits our grid or power plant goes out, whatever it is, snowstorm, earthquake, we're in an earthquake zone, Mm -hmm. and you have solar panels, you might think you're going to have power when everybody else doesn't, but it's not true because the way regulation is written is that your, your panels will only feed your home grid if it gets a signal from the electric company. So I asked today to add a provision for batteries and for kind of a closed loop, mm. um, just from a national security perspective. So everybody should be able to do it soon. And what, was also, the, what was the response? Yeah, I'm working with good people. <laughs> and plus, it's a compelling case. Right. Just on national security. Like, right. in this country... Even for a zombie apocalypse, that would be helpful. <laughs> Jerusalem. Yeah, that was not a great movie. Uh, can I ask you a, a sort of a personal question? How did how do you, how did you know how to do all this? Like to me, that seems to go crusade and fight in government to get regulate. How did you become like a self lobbyist businessman? I'm a I'm a Jewish educator trying to live what I was teaching. That's all. That's it. You just walked in. You just walk into politicians' office and say. Hey, we need to change no, the whole look, regulatory if you, system. If you look, uh, since this is Macomb, right, you can ask some of the big questions, like, mm-hmm. what's the purpose of the Jewish people? What's the purpose of a Jewish state, right? Right. So I have my own answers, and it's nice to have a purpose, but if you don't actualize it, what good is it? So uh, I went from teaching mm-hmm. that the purpose of the Jewish people is, ready, that's my educator hat, to be an ongoing, distinctive catalyst for the advancement and evolution of morality and civilization. And no one knew what I was talking about when I was a Jewish educator. Mm-hmm. And now I'm a solar guy. I go, the tr- purpose of Jewish people is to be a renewable light into the nations. Everybody goes, yay! <laughs> so fine. That's what, that's, if, so if we got to do it, let's do it. Yeah, but how did you develop the skill set on the fly? Well, I mean, before solar this, energy, I, the- I had a checkered past... Uh, you know, beating up governments for good causes, like Soviet jury movement and things like that, anti-apartheid movement. I love beating up governments for good I causes. I understand, but there's an entrepreneurial, uh, There's a. there's got to be an engineering and a physics. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I build teams. I'm, I'm, yeah, uh, I've been fortunate to have good partners, build teams. In this case, you have to have a business model. People, right. And it helps that people are going to make money. So people who already invested in our power, 
They're going to have dividends now mm-hmm. for the next 20 years. And it's not like big money. Like it's, okay. it's, it's a double. It's not a home run. The it's global it's company plus, is... it's a plus. It's yeah, doing well by doing good. Exactly. And that's that's the thing. You have to use the, the forces of capitalism that created the mess to actually right. clean up the mess. So, so, social entrepreneurism. Exactly. But it's not just the entrepreneurship. There needs to be a business model for Tikkun Olam because we're, we're out of time. Like The only way to scale things quickly. So... Hey, we are open, by the way, for a couple more friends and family before our institutional round. FYI out there. <laughs> but um, I, business model for Tikkun Olam totally rocks. Because I'm, I'm a nonprofit guy historically, and I think I've had a you know good track record doing things. Now I only want to do things that are completely transformative, that can scale, like save a planet scale. Now, how did you get involved in Africa other than saying, I have a, I have a dream of, of exporting this light? So Renewable how, light. Yeah. <laughs> how do you do that? How do you start getting involved in Rwanda, in, in, in really complicated parts of the world? Well, there's, there's a personal narrative and there's also a Zionist narrative. If you look at Herzl's diary, he said after he's going to bring about the redemption of his people in, in our ancient land, he was going to work for the redemption of the blacks in Africa, meaning, you know, end of colonialism. And then you look at Golda Meir, you know, who launched the uh, Israel's um, Mashav program for technical assistance, agriculture, women's empowerment, other stuff. Like it's, it's really woven into who we are as a people. It's and, Zionist and DNA. It, it's very much part of the Zionist um, DNA. It's not one that's really taught and explored or strengthened much. And I feel like we've picked up Golda Meir's mantle, but with a, this business model um, that is you know, going to affect you know, hundreds of millions of people, like so many more people um, by doing that. But personally, um, I was involved in the anti-apartheid movement. I was involved with the rescue of um, the Jews from Ethiopia, still am. Um, uh, we have five kids, two are from Ethiopia. Um, like, it is close to our hearts and this proximity here. And we were building the first field down at Kibbutz Keturah, People came that year from 58 countries, and most of them were African, and said, mm. hey, Startup Nation, can you help us? So we started this sister company to use our what we've learned um, before, during, and after the solar uh, thing to how to apply it um, now to Africa. And is it making money in Africa for the investors? So uh, not yet. I think another two, three years. Um, but also it, it took us eight years in Israel to, to make money for the investors. Right. Mm. No, that's not that's, bad. That's amazing. That's yeah. not bad. Isn't yeah, it? Yeah. yeah, no, it's amazing. The World Bank will actually give a guarantee on the contracts in these countries because oh, wow. that, yeah. that gives us confidence to go in. Right. Again, we, we figured out the business model for Tikkun Olam. Uh, we're quadruple bottom line oriented, meaning it's good for the investors. We kill diesel, good for the environment. So we have an environmental you know, bottom line. Humanitarian. Um, in Rwanda, we're at the Agohozo Shalom Youth Village covering the healthcare costs for 500 orphans for 25 years. And number four, since it is Makom, it is strengthening the brand equity of the Jewish people <laughs> and the diplomacy of the state of Israel. Yeah. So we wake up every day and we, we have a lot on our plates. We're doing actually a little bit too much um, going into the institutional round. Um, but Yetov. I was originally going to ask you why there aren't more electric cars, but you're saying it's because it's just the people who are making money off the status quo 
don't allow that kind of innovation? Because I would think Israelis... Like why there's no public uh, public transportation in yeah. L.A., right? Because uh, And here. Is that why? Yeah, because well, in L.A. it was because they... Firestone they, and, and the, the oil company killed the, the public, public transportation, transportation sector. Wow. The, bo- the boom plan. after the war, the private cars were coming. They wanted to encourage private cars. And- yeah, so in Israel... Um, the, I mean, you're about to see a bunch of uh, 2,400 charge stations being put up finally again. Uh, we shouldn't be doing this again. But, and they're talking uh, about bringing in Tesla um, now also, Yeah, right? so t- Tesla's now advertising for CEO. But just to give you a sense of it, the Treasury makes 20 billion shekels off of the gasoline tax. Oh. So they don't want any of that other stuff. Wow. The that's car a, importers, <laughs> the, the car importers are very savvy political donors to certain political parties. And uh, they know how to they know how to fight the fight. I mean, for some reason, we're still importing three hundred thousand cars a year into this country. That that is the worst traffic jams in the whole OECD. It's ridiculous. Interesting oligarchim. It's it's just all about that, and it's time for power of the people. And do you have when you're as a planner with mm-hmm. this initiative? You have short, medium, and long term. So, because I would say 2030, what would that fit? Short or medium? That's not... No, I I consider that long-term. I mean, the state of Israel is doing a planning process to 2050. Mm -hmm. I think it's bogus. It's nice to do. But once you say, oh, we have to do X, Y, Z by 2050, no... Politician has any guts in this country mm-hmm. usually to stand up for on these things, so they're just going to say, "Oh, we don't have to make any decisions now." Right. All of my decision making, my my view of long term is twenty thirty. That means we have to make decisions today, and we need citizens to demand it. And and how does that part, or is that whose job is that to raise the public awareness for it? Like, how does that happen? Well, it's it begins on the Macom podcast, of course. I know, <laughs> but beyond that, that's step one. That's short term. <laughs> You'll see. Unfortunately, most of the uh-huh. most of the listeners, I think, are overseas. Yeah. Uh, Probably the majority are overseas. Yeah. It will take a yeah. global village to beat up the forces of darkness wherever they may live. And what would the forces of darkness say when you when you say that they are for like what's their when you're when you're essentially saying that their motivations are are evil? Yeah. So how would they defend themselves? The the notion that oil, gas, and coal companies didn't know that they contribute to you know the human activity for global warming and how it was hidden. They had all this facts for decades and they were sitting on it. I mean, it's uh, that that is a known like it's just they like how do they sleep at night? They aren't like they're, they're supposed to bequeath to their children and their grandchildren I, I a never, world that they know they're right. destroying, but they're they're in for their quarterly uh, their quarterly dividend payments and their short term bonuses. I mean, yeah, I never understand in the global in the global in the climate change well, debate why that's even relevant. Like if you're if more pollution is bad, less pollution good. <laughs> so it should be that simple an equation. Well, I think I mean I think they would make claims like, well, this twenty billion dollars is going to like healthcare and. Education and that's right. the, that's, let's, that's let's the claims about, they make. Right? Let's talk about healthcare, right? The amount of asthma around the power plants in children doubles every ten years. Like, let's talk about healthcare, cancer areas in those things from burning these petrochemicals. I mean, I mean that's health. Yeah. You want to talk about healthcare? Let's talk about healthcare. But it's just about. 20th century ways of thinking in terms of infrastructure and power and greed. And it's short-term, long-term also. Yeah. It's just you're thinking on the short scale and your 
they they are thinking on a shorter time scale, and you're thinking because they're not they're not twirling their mustache and saying now I can destroy the planet. They're they're thinking something. Yeah, they don't think well, they're the forces uh, we're of gonna, evil. We're gonna we're gonna make this amount of money over the next period of time. Right. Shame. That's it, and that's it. They didn't think shame. They, we know we're poisoning. No, they're going to say energy care. security for the state of Israel. The gas is good for energy security for the state of Israel. Right. You got to be kidding me, right? The wait a second. All those rockets they, they shut down Tamar for a day when Hamas was sending some rinky dink rockets towards Tamar that that could reach that. Let, let alone the Hezbollah, you know, more uh, pinpoint longer range north. ones and the whole thing. In the 21st century energy plan, it should be a distributed power model where if any part of it goes down, the rest of it doesn't. Mm-hmm. We just have these giant flammable targets that can be reached even by the Iranian long-range missiles where what you need is for every house, every school, every neighborhood, every, you know, kibbutz, every, I mean, the, the, that's what's in the national security of the state of Israel. It just doesn't make the gas companies rich. And are you confident that you're going to win this, this, uh, this? What do you want to call it? A revolution because, because the facts are on your side, and and or because it's it's the good, or both. So I think now that because the price of solar has dropped so dramatically, the economics are on our side, and that helps a lot. I think because the missiles are proliferating and are getting more accurate. The security issue is now on our side. And now it's just going to be, since we know it's going to happen, do we need to wait for disaster to be able to make the right decision? Or can we preempt it with enlightened decisions um, that the whole world is calling for anyway? I get that would be presuppose a government that can make decisions, right? (laughs) Which eventually we will presumably have. (laughs) Well, we're, we're, we're working behind the scenes for... Uh, different scenarios of who will be the energy minister and who will be the um, uh, environmental minister under any of these scenarios. But in the end, it's going to be off-the-record confidential testimony in the Knesset Defense and Foreign Affairs Committee Mm. that once they actually realize the peril, that... um, it, it shouldn't be a right-left kind of right. issue. This no, is of a course, national yeah. interest. So if we're going to fulfill our destiny as a ongoing catalyst, you know, for changing the world, essentially, we have to get our house in order. So the Arava region, house in order, kibbutzim in order. We have to get Israel's house in order. At the same time, challenge the rest of the world to do so. And wherever you are, you Macomb alumni and other listeners, you have work to do as well, and you have decisions to make as well, and you have votes to cast as well, and you have electric cars to buy as well. So Kimi Negev Tete Torah, really. It's really, this is really, this is a bigger issue than the micro issue. Kimi Tzion Tete Ora. And there's one other issue, and this is what everyone's going to object to, is red meat consumption. And I'm sorry to say that. Uh, no problem here. I'm a vegetarian. Okay. So um, uh, chicken has one quarter of the carbon footprint of red meat and the red meat industry worldwide, worldwide is the same as transportation worldwide. Mm. We, we have to make changes in our lives and that includes cutting out red meat. It should also be mukta, you know, call it by the next Shemitah, 2021. Uh, Rosh Hashanah 2021. We, gotta, we have to just like make decisions now and 
change your lives in those directions. Well, certainly industrial levels of, of cattle production. If there's no demand, there won't be that. We have to cut our demand. And by the way, there's one other thing that we as a Jewish people can do to save the planet tomorrow. I like starting tomorrow, I can save the planet if, if, if everybody will follow this one piece of advice. And it comes about really because Yom Kippur here is so great. You know, everyone walking around and we have nearly zero greenhouse gas emissions then. Mm-hmm. And on Shabbat, our greenhouse gas emissions re- are reduced by at least a third in the state of Israel. But if first we, the Jewish people, no matter what flavor Jew we are, would be a zero consumption day, zero consumer day, we would actually really rest all of us worldwide. And then we challenged every other faith community to really just non-consumer, non-travel day of rest. Collectively, starting this week, if this word goes out now, we would reduce greenhouse gas emissions by one-seventh, mm-hmm. and the earth tomorrow would be able to go back into balance if we can all maintain that. that weekly. Is the, weekly. Yeah, one out of be, seven is a seven. No matter, it's definitionally it's, 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 a seven. It's not a one-time thing, but that is, that is the gift of the Jews on the climate. So all well, of you out there listening, good Shabbos, good Shabbos. <laughs> Well, that's a cool idea. All right. All right. Well, thank you so much, Yossi. That was uh, an enormous, I feel, I feel overwhelmed by the amount of optimism and energy and positivity. <laughs> From Captain Sunshine. From Captain Sunshine. No, just, just, uh, that's very inspirational. This, this, this. Every, Mike, Mike every, has moved, we could see. Yeah. Everything scales. <laughs> everything scales up. We can do it. Everything matters. Everything matters. Thank you so much. Thank you. Alan, thank you. Thank you, Mike. And thank you, Ben, for engineering us to the end of the episode, which this is. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Macomb Israel Teacher's Lounge podcast. Don't forget to share, subscribe, rate, and review. Join us next time.